guest today, his name is Scott. I met him in Sayulita at the Sayulita Super Spreader event put on by our good friend Johnny Perfita of Peddling Fiction. Scott's with me today because Scott has a very interesting trajectory. His life has gone on the last uh, six, seven months or so. Scott not only left his job due to a vaccine mandate, but what he's doing full-time in replacement, I think, is of quite a bit of interest to people listening to this program. So, Scott, first off, you know the, you know the question, right? Are you ready to roar? Absolutely. All right. Fantastic, brother. So we can take this, you know, wherever you want, wherever you want to start it. I think, I think the first lesson for people to learn between interviewing you and interviewing Tobias, if you meet me in person, your odds of getting on the show are 300 fold. Yeah. <laughs> if you email me a suggestion for a show, honestly, I'll tell you the truth. I'm probably going to delete it because I don't really respond to those emails just about ever, just for anybody out there that has had that experience. But if I meet you in person and I think you got some interesting things going on, pretty good chance you'll be on the show. So Scott, before we get into everything that's been going on in your life recently, why don't you just tell us eh, how, how you got into all this Liberty jazz, wherever you want to take that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, my start is uh, same as a lot of people, at least that I've run into is that um, just got caught up in the whole Ron Paul thing. And then, uh, you know, I, I thought he had a lot of merits and it was, it was exciting, but I still wasn't that political. And then um, I remember the one day I watched the YouTube video, how the presidency was stolen from Ron Paul. And then uh, that sort of started me down the rabbit hole. And then I found that um, the story of your enslavement by Stefan Molyneux. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, that was also extremely powerful that's a red pill right there. Yep. And then the, um, the Jones plantation by Larkin Rose was another one that was uh, really eye opening. And then it just, then it was, you know, you go from, you go from that, you know, at one point I was making excuses for George W. Bush, not finding WMDs. I went from there to, you know, Murray Rothbard, you know, within probably three months, four months time. So that's a, that's a, that's a pretty fast trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Real <laughs> fast. I mean, I skipped over and ran real quick and then I uh, went right to the Austrian type stuff and found Tom Woods too. That was huge along the way as well so and then somehow you find yourself going from all that to being at a, a liberty podcast event i mean yeah yeah it, it was tom woods then i found part of the problem from tom woods then found uh liberty lockdown from uh part of the problem and then i found johnny yeah the peddling fiction so and then i met you through johnny actually even though i had lines of liberty in my podcast queue and listen to a few here and there, but I don't know. It's one of those things where like you got so much to listen to and just focusing on part of the problem. Johnny and Tommy, Tom Woods was enough for me. So, yeah, I, I knew all too well having too much to listen to. When I, when I, and the funny thing is, I mean, when I started this podcast, it's because there wasn't enough to listen to. When there, when yeah. at least when it came to liberty type podcasts, they really didn't exist, or if they did, they were very sporadic. Um, so I like to think I paved the way for the Tom Woods of the world. I only, I only started about a month before him, so. Well. Could, could be questionable who, who with the chicken, the chicken egg situation there, but uh, you did find yourself, you know, going through this whole process, going through this journey, becoming part of this whole, you know, Liberty podcast mix here. And so at what point, because this is something I think has really happened to a lot of people in the last two years, at least for me anyway, like this whole thing, having the philosophy, the Liberty philosophy, uh, it was kind of like a hobby to me. Like, of course I believed in it. And of course I thought it was true. And, you know, doing these podcasts is something I really enjoyed doing, talking about the ideas, but it never felt real. It never felt like this stuff was important 
until the last two years, until the COVID stuff hit, when this became real for, you know, in a lot of ways for a lot of people, including myself. So why don't you just take me down your own journey through the onset of the COVID stuff? You don't need to get into the specific details about what your exact job was before, but, you know, just walk me through what your thought process was as all this stuff started coming down, as, as there started to be sniffs or hints or whatever of vaccine mandates. And then what was your actual cause to, to leave? Did you, you know, what, whether it was just hearing about the vaccine mandate or the, or it coming down altogether? Like, like you said, it was, it was just seemed like a thing that we all just sort of sat together and bitched about, you know, in a lot of ways until this past couple of years where like everything that all of us have been saying was going to happen happened. And it, it was, you know, kind of like it, it really gave um, validation to everything that I've been like looking into and reading about and listening to and trying to understand, uh, just through this whole pandemic thing. And then, um, you know, so for me, I was a field service engineer. I have a degree in computer engineering. Um, and I, you know, I just went to work every day at these, uh, any customer, whoever had me on, do repairs, installations, training, stuff like that. Um, m- mostly uh, analytical equipment, you know, like in a QC lab for everything from pharmaceutical companies to uh, asphalt manufacturers they all use the similar analytical equipment. So, but I, you know, I, I just had like mining as a hobby. I knew how to do it. I had a couple of video cards, had some mining going on just for fun. Um, and then uh, we were actually sitting on the beach, um, this past summer. And I just got an email, I got a check work email, you know, occasionally I just got an email. I saw it's from the CEO and it says, you know, Vax, Vax policy update. And I was like, Oh shit. So I'm sitting there, I look at my wife, I'm like, I'm going to read this email right now. I know what re- I already know what it's going to say. And um, sure enough, it said uh, vaccine mandate, September 15th. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I'm going to have to make a choice. And I already know what that choice is going to be. So we need to uh, adapt our lives to one income and, you know, maybe a different income. I don't know if it would be less or more. So uh, that, was, uh, that was a big change, life-changing moment there. Had you guys talked about this possibility previously or was it kind of something lingering in the back of your mind? I mean, did did you make that decision early on that you weren't going to take it no matter what? Or was it more like the mandate aspect of it? Like, I'm not going to take it because you're telling me to take it. I mean, she she and I are, she's very uh, apprehensive when it comes to, you know, the medical industry and, and what they do is they just pump out drugs to people, you know, whether it fixes their problem or not, they just load them up, you know, with whatever pharma they can sell them. And uh, so she doesn't trust them at all. And she basically told me, she's like, I, I'm not getting this vaccination, you know? Uh, and I'm like, I'm not either. And neither are our kids. It's not going to happen. So we already sort of had that understanding that if there was any vax mandate that we would uh, support the other person and what, we, what, what they decide to do. Um, but both of us were like, yeah, we're not doing it. So there was no decision to be made. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of people God bless them who are in relationships where they don't necessarily where this issue came up that was maybe a ne- never oh, yeah. something that was talked about before. And then here they find themselves. So I think you myself as well are very lucky to have partners yeah. who are completely uh, on the same page with us as far as that goes. And what, what was your first thought? I mean, your first thought was I'm not doing this. And so screw it. So I, actually, I first want to get to like how you approach the company. Did you did you just respond to that email and say not doing it? Or like, how did you actually, you know, leaving out whatever details you need to, how did you actually approach that whole conversation? Well, my very first thought was, uh, what a piece of shit the CEO was. That was my very first thought, but I kind of 
I kind of knew it was going to happen because he's a World Economic Forum guy, actually, oh, wow. um, with, with, with his previous company. Like he's in it or he's a fan of it or, or what? No, no, he was, um, I don't know if he's like a, like a trainee or something like that, or he's just one of the recognized company leaders. Um, he, he previously used to be a CEO for a pharma. So, of course, they're going to be very World Economic Forum centric. Uh, so I kind of knew it was going to happen. Uh, and then my first thought was, well, you know, it's time for a new chapter. And that was, that's just why I sat there. I mean, you know, drinking a couple of beers on the beach and the sunshine and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to let this bum me out. We're going to move forward. And it's going to be a positive change. So that's an incredible attitude. And it, maybe it was helpful that it happened when you're on the beach already. Yeah. So you yeah. could be like, Hmm, <laughs> should I do more of this? Or go stick myself with some junk and go back into that office every single day. Yeah, four beers, four beers in, uh, like around <laughs> noon. Was there any back and forth with this? I mean, with the company, did you even make an attempt to say, like, will you accommodate me? Like, I'm not going to, or did you just straight up give your resignation, and say, you know, this is the sign, it's time to move on? No, I mean, I, I knew I needed to buy some time with it. I mean, it, it was, I think it was August when I when they, I mean, actually, maybe it was July. And the first mandate was September 15th. And then about two weeks later, they bumped it back to November 15th because I think they, they got a pretty big pushback uh, about people that were against it. Uh, so my manager was actually vaccinated, but he, he got it for other reasons, for a family member or something. And he was on all of our sides and he went to bat for us. And, and we, we all tried to say, you know, we're going to leave and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, they just said they didn't care. And then... Um, once the day got closer, come November like fifth, the HR person's contacting me. You know, we need to know what you're going to do. We're willing to offer you a six month um, accommodation. They called it. Do me a favor uh, by letting me stay in a job that you can't replace. You know, just in one day. So, well, so they were going to let you not take the vaccine for six, six months. months. Yep, and, huh. and stay. You know, stay in the position, which really shows how important it was to take. <laughs> how important their mandate was in the first place right. they can just up and decide well maybe this guy can wait six months because it's so important i mean it's just so it's just so crazy just to think about like i mean the my my job wasn't super hard really to be honest but like it's one of those jobs where you don't just pull someone off the street to do it right because you right. need to be in front of customers you need to know how to train other adults that are highly technical very intelligent so you need to know what you're talking about then on top of it you need to have physical mechanical skills you have to speak autism a little bit yeah exactly and then sometimes you need to speak the other way too right so sometimes i'll be training a guy who's like a button button pusher that, mm -hmm. like he just pushes a button then he waits for the results and that's it i want it to be red or, or green you know that that sort of thing and you need to be able to do that and you need to be able to work with your hands using hand tools and you need to be able to do uh, diagnostic on electronics, diagnostic on computers, on windows. There's all these things. And then you also need to be interested in getting in your car, driving up to five hours to go to your customer, work two hours and then drive five hours home or stay the night. Like those, it's not just something that you can get and they still haven't replaced the position. Wow. You know, so I left last November 15th. They still don't have anybody in my spot. So you said no thank you to that six months. You're like, you know what? Why, why prolong the inevitable here? Exactly. And, and on top of it, I was just like, I was just so fed up with the mask thing. Like, yeah, so my territory, I went to New York City a lot and New Jersey a lot. And they're about as pro-mask and pro-everything COVID that there is. And I just, I'm like, I think to myself, I'm like, yeah, six more months of wearing my, a mask every day and these customers and getting preached to how we just need to, you know, 
stick to the stick to the protocols and then we'll flatten this curve and get out of this it's just i don't know i just i was just ready for the next chapter hello friends it is i your host mark claire butting in for just a moment to remind you about all the ways you can support this show primarily either through our patreon or locals pages patreon.com slash lions of liberty if you don't like patreon we get it that's why we have the locals page at lionsliberty.locals.com last week we did an april fools ama ask us anything where we talked about a whole bunch of random topics and you can join those we're going to be doing them once a month going forward those are going to be pride exclusive lions of liberty pride exclusives only for our paid supporters uh you can of course get live streams of all of my interviews bonus shows like conspiracy corner brian's good morning bleep head help us to grow this show help us to grow this network we really do appreciate it so that's patreon.com slash lions of liberty or locals lionsofliberty.locals.com. Thank you so much. So I want to take back the clock a little bit. So why don't you take me back to when, when I guess cryptocurrency first got on your radar in general, and then how you went from that into like doing your own mining, which I think you said you were, you were already doing before this. Yeah. So um, I, I actually don't even remember how I found it, uh, to be honest. I was just doing some random Google search about uh, uh, something something to do with this video card that I got on a work computer, actually. And um, I came across this website called the Crypto Badger uh, Litecoin Mining Guide, which is like a legendary site now for anybody that ever got into video card mining. Um, but so I found that. And I was like, oh, let's just try it. You know, it's a stupid work computer. I'll just let it run, see what, see what happens. And it was actually working well. So um, I think Bitcoin at the time was like $600. So it wasn't super, super early, but it was definitely early in, in everything. And um, I just got really interested in it. And then I, I bought a motherboard at home, made my own first mining rig, had four video cards in there, and uh, it was doing well. You know, mine, mining Doge, actually, in the early days, uh, once Litecoin sort of became non-profitable. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how it all got started. And then I just gradually expanded from there You know, as a hobbyist. Uh, getting into Ethereum when it was two dollars per kind of thing, and you know it, it's been pretty good to me with minimal investment. You did a presentation at um, at the Sayulita Super Spreader again, hosted by our good friend Johnny Perfida. So you you broke this whole thing down, kind of you know A to Z, and maybe we won't do that all of that today. <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll dangle a little something else for people to have out there, but maybe just. Take us through some of the basics, like for for a non technical person, for you know someone who just is interested in cryptocurrency and likes the idea of mining for whatever reason, but maybe doesn't have much of a technical background. How how much technical knowledge do they do you think they need, and how could could someone like that best go about getting started? Yeah, I mean, so that presentation I I did at the super spreader was supposed to be an hour and uh the whole thing with dinner and everything being started late it ended up being what was it 25 minutes something like that 20 minutes yeah by, and by, that, and by that point i think most of the crowd was, was pretty saucy <laughs> yeah yeah everyone was definitely uh enough but they, they it was crazy too like for everyone being that um inebriated there was I felt like there was pretty good attention being paid. That is the good thing about these these liberty events. Like you know, you can you can talk about nerdy shit eight hours into a into a, a day drinking day, and the libertarians will turn around and, and be interested because it's yeah. what they're interested in. So yeah, exactly. you'll still be able to get the attention. Yeah. So if, as far as mining goes, I mean, if anybody's interested in it, um, you can basically you can try it now with just your laptop. 
I mean, it's not going to be super profitable, but but you can do it. Uh, so you had you had uh, Tobias to be Tobias. I forget how he prefers. Tobias it being is pronounced. how the how he how you how it should be said. Okay. The Americans Tobias. call him Tobias. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Tobias has the the Lotus um, crypto that he that he does, and I haven't looked into it, but I'm pretty sure it can be mined with uh, just a regular everyday video card, maybe even the the processor. So um, essentially, what mining how mining works is there's a piece of software that accesses your hardware and allows the hardware to do these specific mathematical calculations that, that vary depending on what crypto you're mining. So you would, you basically just download that software, you put your wallet address in there and you just click go and it sort of uh, does its thing. You know, it gets, it gets hot, uses power, but um, it, it eventually will get you some rewards of that crypto. And then on top of it, it's supporting the network. So if you believe in a crypto like Lotus, good project, someone we, we, we know and trust. And I mean, it, even if it's not profitable, even if it's break even, it's worth supporting him. So you don't really need to even necessarily know about the specific, you know, this is the software's job. Essentially, you don't really need the technical knowledge of how it's, you know, working out the hashes and, and how it's that's you let them handle that. But you can start it with even like if I like for say me right now, I'm on a, a 2012 map MacBook, believe it or not, that's still that's still ticking after I replaced a few things here and there. And I, I plan to run this thing to the ground. Could I right now, maybe not right now, maybe wait, wait till the after the yeah. podcast. Could I even on something like this with a bunch of other programs and a bunch of stuff going on? Could I even start a little bit of mining on, on this kind of device? Yeah, absolutely. It's a little tricky with Mac. Not all of them have mining software. Uh, to support them, but if like for Tobias's project, I believe it mines using the wallet. So if you can install the wallet on your on your Mac, then you c- you should be able to mine with it. It's not it's not a problem. And the wallet based mining is actually even easier to do. You just hit mining start into the debug, and uh, it, it it goes because it already knows the wallet address because it's running in the wallet. So there's not you don't even have to do that part. But you, you really don't need to have any knowledge of the code or anything like that. The only advantage that gives you is then you can specifically tailor the hardware you're using to work with the code better. Like so, Ethereum needs uh, as much uh, memory as possible on the video cards in order to handle the, the the DAG file, which is the whole. But it's a certain file of a certain size. So anything under four gig, you can't even use anymore on Ethereum um, directly. But then there's other ones like Monero, for example. You need as much memory in your computer as possible, and it can only be mined using a CPU. So there's there's all these different sort of things you ha- you have to know for some crypto. But generally speaking, you don't need to have any of that information. Well, why don't we we start by looking at how you chose the specific cryptocurrencies that that you actually mine? Like, what actually led you to to choose those, and which ones did you choose? Yeah. So so for video cards, like you kind of have to mine what's profitable. Uh, just in general, because you can mine anything pretty much with video cards. So you go for the most profitable. So if you have a video card that has a four gig memory to it, mining anything other than Ethereum kind of doesn't make sense. Uh, Ethereum is the most profitable. Um, there's some that come close. Maybe they fluctuate up and down. But generally speaking, if you have a four, uh, sorry, eight gig video card or, or higher, Ethereum is where, where to go. When you say most profitable, just so we're clear here, you mean like, so basically the amount of energy or amount of extra power that you have to use to mine that crypto is is counterbalanced, you know, in a profitable way based on the, the current prices of those cryptos is, is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, there's lots of factors, really. But 
there's so many websites available where you can just enter what video card you have and then what power it's using from the wall as you mine and then it will it will calculate the profitability of each coin um so for example like an eight gig video card might make three dollars a day net profit on ethereum i'm not not too up on that right now. My video, my GPU mining operation is currently down. I haven't been uh, keeping up with it. Yeah, so so you can just look that up and and see where it's going to come out. And be like, all right, well, I should be mining Ethereum. Like, oh, my video card is only four gigs, so I'm going to have to mine Ethereum Classic or Ravencoin or something like that. So, um, and there's a variation too on top of it. If everybody's mining the same crypto, the difficulty sort of uh, gets really high. And then that that impacts your profitability. So you, you're going to get a smaller percentage of each uh, each share you submit. You're going to get a smaller percentage of the crypto. So that's going to hurt the profitability because the energy use is the same. I know you mentioned you so you you mine privacy or a pirate pirate chain. Is that right? Right. Pirate chain. Yeah, that's that's one. So um, the the other way to mine is there's a ASIC. So it's application specific integrated chip. Uh, so it's basically just an electronic device that is hard program to only do one type of calculation. So for pirate chain, it's Equihash is the name of the um, hashing uh, routine. And uh, just when I got started, ASICs are kind of expensive. And I, I this is also my recommendation, recommendation to anybody that would get into it. They're expensive. So buy an ASIC that is my combine a crypto that you believe in so that mm-hmm you're not really going to beat yourself up about buying an ASIC. Like, I don't even believe in this crypto and it's like, it's not mining anything. It's not even profitable, you know, because Pirate Chain at one point, it was only, it was only making like $4 a day, the miner I have, you know, it's a, it was a $9,000 miner at the time. So that's not really a good ROI at that point. But now, you know, you believe, I believe in Pirate Chain, the price has come back. It's up to $22 a day as of this morning, you know, so that's just one unit. So that's just where I started. I started with one. Now I have three. <clears throat> I just bought a fourth. It's like I said, you just have to be something that you believe in and that makes it a lot easier. And then once you get the capital and you can buy any miner, you want to have a couple Dogecoin miners. And I certainly don't believe in Dogecoin at all, but uh, you know they, they, they do well. You know I think they're at $60 a day right now, mining Doge, Litecoin together. So that, it, that's great. And I just sell it right away and hold it in Monero or hold it in Bitcoin whatever I'm in the mood to hold that, that week. So it's funny. Cause even as you're describing this, like I see the parallels to even like podcasting. Cause it's like, it's the same advice actually. It's like, yes, you could make some money podcasting, but if you don't believe in what you're doing, you're going to flame out because there's highs and lows and all that stuff. And I think it might be kind of similar with crypto mining, especially with crypto, you know, currencies, the, the price fluctuates and especially even now energy prices are going up. So, you know, you could be through some up and downs. So if you don't believe in the thing, just like if you don't believe in what you're doing and, or you don't enjoy the process of a podcast, you're going to flame out when these ups and downs happen. But if you do believe in it and, and you, you have that, you know, that sort of thought behind it that like I'm doing this for a greater reason. Like I'm actually trying to, you know, help create this parallel economy here. Well then that helps you survive the highs and lows a little bit more. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's sort of, I mean, there's a, two, two points to that for me. It's like when I was sitting there um, next to my wife on the beach and we were talking, I told her what happened and stuff. And I, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I working this stupid nine to five job? Like my company charged $400 an hour for my labor paid me 35. Why am I doing that? You know what I mean? Like what, <laughs> what are we doing? Like why? And on top of it, you're paying all these you know, inta- insane taxes and everything. And, and I just told her, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just going to expand the mining operation. 
because I can make enough money where we can pay the bills and we'll be okay. And then on top of it, I'm supporting something that I believe in and something I love and I'm supporting freedom. And it, like, it's just a beautiful thing. And on top of it, I get to be home every day. I get my daughter off the bus every single day. She loves it. She looks forward to it. We have our little, you know, to, together time, watch some TV, play a little Minecraft, you know, and you know, it's just great. So I don't regret it one bit. I mean, I make less right now, of course, but um, yeah, who knows how long that'll last. The pirate chain's gone up a dollar in the last two weeks. It doubled from a dollar <laughs> to two dollars almost. So yeah, it's all good. What about people that, you know, are, are trying to you know, have have the idea of doing this, whether it's you know quitting their job and doing it full time or just starting to get into it. What about you know the difficulty, or maybe it's not difficult, but of of actually if you need to cash out that crypto because you actually do have some bills to pay and you, you need you need to turn it into fiat. What are the best ways? To, you don't need to describe how, exactly how you do it, but yeah. what are some of the best ways people can do that? Because I know like there's a lot of concerns that people have very you know with KYC platforms, know your customer platforms that take all your information. Um, you know, going through Coinbase, base all that stuff is going to get sent right to the IRS. So you know, are there are there any ways for people to sort of you know how do I say mitigate that concern? Let, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it just depends on how tax averse they are. I think this audience is fairly tax averse. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But like, if you're one of those, you know, do gooders and you you know, love just filing your W two and paying your your your, <laughs> your money in there. Those. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, pay as much money as possible for the people to use to oppress you and lock you in your house and make your work an unessential and start World War Three. You know, sure, that's what you want to do. Fine, KYC exchange, put in all your information there. You can just cash it and withdraw it to your bank account straight away, no problem. You know, but if you if you want to do it and and not have to pay into this horrible system, then sell crypto to your friends for cash. And you can start there. And now and then there's other options. There's local Bitcoin. You know, people that have Bitcoin they want to sell. You can either meet someone in person, or there's other ways they send you Venmo or a Cash App or Zelle or something like that. Um, local Monero is an even more secure option because with Monero, you can't see anything about the transaction, where it came from, how much the amount was. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's about as close to cash as you can get. So it's, it, there's options that way. Um, there's even some Bitcoin ATMs that let you sell back cash, but I, I've never tried to do that. And they always charge ridiculous fees and stuff. So I'm not going to recommend that to anybody, but if if you check it out and it works, then then you can do that too, of course. But but yeah, localmonero.co is a good place to start for those of us you know that that care about security and you know being as unfriendly to uh, theft as possible. Yeah, the the ATMs they were a thing for a while, and then but I mean there are still a few. There's even one I know where one is in Los Angeles, believe it or not, at a, at a taco place. There's a Bitcoin ATM. That, yeah, there's a bunch of LA. Yeah, it's crazy. But you know, there, I I actually heard a story um some months ago about someone because you know there there's the whole big hoopla about El Salvador because they're making Bitcoin an official currency and all this stuff. And and I'm not saying that's not a good thing, but someone was posting how they had um you know that taken some Bitcoin out of a Bitcoin ATM or had attempted to in El Salvador. And then after they went through the process, the last step was, by the way, we need all your information. We need you to upload your passport. And then they were stuck because it actually like the transaction had gone through, but they wasn't going to, it wasn't going to get to his wallet 
until he had put in that KYC information. So you did have to be careful with uh, ATMs too, because you might get a surprise and find out, oh wait, I thought this was just an ATM where I can get cash out. Nope, they, they, those could be KYC too, depending on you know where they're located. Yeah, it's 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 such a common hustle. I mean, that, that's it's actually you know ATMs do that, but exchanges do that all the time, right? So there'll be non KYC for forever for a while, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, we're going to be compliant with all the governments now, and you have crypto on the exchange, and then suddenly, uh, yeah, we need KYC in order for you to get your crypto off. Right. So they protect themselves for all of your previous transactions because there's a history for it there. So then they're covered in that regard. And then you basically have to give them everything, you know, all of your all of your information, driver's license photo, a photo of you holding your driver's license with some mm-hmm. like other, you know, piece of paper there. So they have all of that then, you know, for you to get your crypto back off. So just another reason why if you're gonna use any exchange, don't keep that much crypto on there if you care about the KYC part. Um, you know, but if you don't you know, then, then you know, go for it. Yeah, I think that this is something we're going to see more and more and more of as um, they attempt to close the walls in, I think, on on most crypto activity in the next few years. Most, I guess, non, non-central bank-created crypto activity. Yep. All right, gang. Well, the thought of central bank digital currencies stresses you out. I got a lot of solutions for you, but one of them, at least in the short term, <laughs> can ease your stress. With some CBD from our friends, Carl and Vanessa Abelar over at Paloma Verde CBD. They have so many fine products, including these delicious, I think they're, well, they're not really sour. I think they're like apple gummies. My God, the only, my only complaint to this day of Paloma Verde products is they are so delicious. You just want to eat them in one sitting, which you really don't need to do. Uh, better to be spaced out, better value that way, but we get even better value. By giving you a great discount code ROAR, R-O-A-R, use discount code ROAR at checkout over at PalomaVerdeCBD.com and get 20% off your order. You also get free shipping for any order over 75 bucks. My God. Not only that, you get to support great people like Carlos and Vanessa Abelar. Carlos is the host of Los Libertinos. Had a great time on that show. You get to support us, the Lions of Liberty. My God, there's there's probably I could write a whole book on all the reasons to support this. So head over to Paloma Verde CBD. Use discount code ROAR at checkout. I do want to go back a little and talk a little more specifically about pirate chain. Can you get into more of the details about what it is about private chain? Pi- I'm sorry, pirate chain that you like so much, why you're attracted to it and why you think that mining this coin is not just something, you know, for your benefit to profit from and to pay your bills with. It's actually something you do believe in. Like you said. Yeah. Well, uh, first off, I don't sell any pirate chain. I've, I've held every single one of mine to this day. The only, the only time I've sold any has been to, you know, a couple guys at the super spreader wanted some sold mm-hmm. some to them and a couple of friends wanted some just cause like they don't have a way to mine it. And you know, there's only a few exchanges that have it. So that that's the only time I've ever uh, sold it. I just, it's one of those things. Like I believe in Monero a lot too. And um, I just feel like pirate chain is a little more pure when it comes to the security part. I, I, I don't, I don't, that doesn't even kind of like make sense, but um, it's just I just get the, the this feeling like around the community that it's it's kind of like it's kind of just people that, that feel the same way that I do. Um, now the the one negative I can say to Monero is that they just never seem to be interested in working with anybody from Pirate Chain. They they feel like it feels like they're like the Hollywood version of the privacy coin, you know. So they're just you know they're a little bit too too cool for school as far as it goes and um i just like the, 
the pirate chain sort of just it just weathers the storm. I mean, there's constant FUD all the time, like the pre-mine thing that that is always thrown out there, um, and it just keeps going. So, I mean, it, it's it's arguably more secure, but I think they're both secure enough um, and private enough. But uh, it, the the one thing too, pirate chain versus Monero is pirate chain. You know, you, you can mine it with ASICs. Monero is only CPU mineable, and you can't even nobody can really mine it profitably. Uh, there's the rumor is that the most of the mining is done via botnets, which are essentially uh, malware that goes on somebody's computer and uses their um, CPU power to mine. To the, you know, one central wallet kind of thing. So people actually like use other people's computers like, exactly without them knowing, and, and just yep. Wow. So I could be sitting here talking to you, and maybe someone got some malware to me, and you know, um, why yeah. does my computer run so slow? I'm just doing a podcast, and it could be, maybe someone's just mining this Monero behind the background. Yeah, you're supporting the Monero network. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's uh, you know, so that that's always been a concern of mine. I mean, I, I've been wanting to mine Monero and support it, but like, you just do the math, and it's it's just upside down. I mean, it, it's, it's in the red all the time, even with like decent hardware, you know, so to, to be in the black making a profit, you need like a $2,000 processor, a thousand dollar, you know, uh, motherboard and, and Ram. And then you're talking to make a dollar a day, 80 cents a day profit. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So unless you're getting electricity for free, it really doesn't make sense. And that, that I see that as a negative. Besides, or maybe including the coins you mine, like what are, what are some of the most kind of obviously most profitable coins to mine, at, at least right now? Obviously, everything fluctuates. Well, so the way ASICs work, um, the people selling them are usually resellers, uh, based, mostly based out of China, a couple in the US. And um, they just sit there and they look at the ROI. So whatever that miner is making say $20 a day or something like that, the price that they're willing to sell you a miner is based on probably a 400-day ROI. You know, So okay. the prices of the miners change on a daily basis. So mm. the most profitable are going to be almost unattainable as far as you know, a logical ROI type thing. So a good example would be uh, Kadena. Uh, KDA is the uh, abbreviation. And those miners... I think they're originally like $6,800 from Goldshell, uh, the KD5 miner. And then Kadena blew up. And now that same miner on eBay goes from forty dollars to $45,000 wow. just for one miner. But it makes $80 a day. And if you bought that same miner at the $6,800, you're looking great. You're crushing it. And, and I, I know a lot of people that did actually. And then they sold when they, the prices were like fifteen, sixteen thousand $16,000 for one of those miners. They sold them all. Thinking that they they were they were doing a you know doing a, a making a smart move I guess at that time and um, then Kadena went all the way up I think it I forget what its high was like eighteen dollars I think per and it was making almost three hundred fifty dollars a day the miner wow so wow. that that's that's a mining home run which they don't. It just doesn't happen that often. Sure. You got to get really lucky with someone sort of undervaluing their miner at the right time, you know, when you make that purchase and then also get lucky with, you know, the, the, the rise at the right time. Exactly. The price goes up at just the right time. I mean, the the other problem is too, a lot of the the ASIC manufacturers like Bitmain is notorious for this, where you'll pre-order a miner, right? I actually just did this myself. I bought an L7 miner, which is the one that mines Dogecoin and Litecoin. Pre-order it. It was when I pre-ordered it, it was making $150 a day. So I thought it was awesome, awesome buy for twenty thousand bucks. 
but then I ordered it last October and I didn't get it until two weeks ago. Now it makes uh, like $60 a day. So it's a, it's, a big, it's a big difference. But even though they're still kind of valued at the same price I paid, it's not the end of the world, but it's one of those things where like, you're going to buy it, you're going to give them all that money, a free loan, and then they're just going to, they're going to, it's going to be delayed getting it for sure. Could they be sitting there mining used? Cause you say a lot of them are resellers. Like do they get used in the, in the meantime? They do. Yeah. A lot of them uh, excessively test the units for a really long <laughs> I just time. I want to make sure this thing's it, working all right. So give us six months to, to mine some stuff here. Yeah. And a lot of people know, like, um, so for Bitmain, for example, they just had the, um, the L7, the, the newest L7 round, people knew that it was going to start shipping soon because suddenly the Dogecoin and Litecoin um, mining rate spiked up. So that was just the sign of them bringing all the new ones online to test them. And uh, that people knew like, all right, they're going to start shipping. And then sure enough, you get a notification that they're shipping, you know, in, in the next, after the Chinese New Year is the notification we got. So I mean, they do all that sort of stuff and then they have all that hash power and they can just make a mint just in those couple of weeks, you know, while, while the prices are higher and then they, and they start shipping on the customers. And on top of it, they get, they do the pre-sale, right? So they get all the money uh, ahead of time. They get an interest-free loan from the people buying it and they're just waiting for it. All right. So if someone is listening now and they're like, well, it sounds easier to get a miner, of course, but I don't want to deal with this thing. I don't want to end up giving someone a six month loan while they just mine on, on the, the thing that I bought. So, I'm curious, like how how difficult would it be for someone? I mean, obviously, you need some element of technical knowledge to some extent, but how difficult would it be for someone to like build one of these rigs themselves? Like, can you do this by just you know getting a Raspberry Pi or something and like some video cards? Like, is that something you've ever tried to do yourself, or that other people could do, or is it just so much easier to let someone build a miner that, that that's why most people do that? I mean, with the, with the video cards, it's basically just a computer with a bunch of video cards on it. Um, so it's it requires some technical knowledge to set up and get it to run stable. You can't just uh, duct tape video cards onto the processor. Yeah, you just, you, you you just, just plug out where they go. <laughs> just plug them all in and uh, hit go. But you, there, there's issues with that. Um, as far as making your own like ASIC or something like that, that would be, you would need some high technical skills and you would also need raw silicon and stuff like that to make your own chips. And it's, it's just not really possible with most people's um, skill set or time, physical time. Um, there's one uh, sort of interstitial thing between GPUs and ASICs is the FPGA, so Field Programmable Gate Array, which is kind of like um, you can make a mini ASIC, you can program it to do one specific calculation like an ASIC device does, um, but even that requires lots of programming skill uh, in that specific thing. And I actually bought like a prototype board just to try and learn how to do it and stuff, but it's just all about time really any, anymore. And that's one of the best, the biggest advantages of the ASIC is you just get it, you enter your wallet address in, you plug it into your router and it, it just goes 24, seven, 365. You know, they're super stable and, and um, just reliable. So let's talk about more about that 24, seven, 365. Cause obviously this thing's running all day. This thing's using a lot of energy. So that's of course something else that someone would need to calculate and take into consideration uh, when, do, when doing something like this. So, you know, you can break down, you don't need to break down necessarily your exact numbers uh, per se, but like what, what kind of energy costs can someone like increase energy costs? Can someone expect to spend depending on, you know, obviously it's going to be different depending on how many miners they have doing what, but like, what can you give us kind of a, a rough idea of, of what that could look like so, for someone? Some of the ASICs, you need to have a 240 volt uh, connection. They won't even run on 120. So, uh, 
they use so if the, the, that Dogecoin miner that I was talking about before the L7, it's 3,300 watts of power. So um, I'll do some quick calculation here. So you got 3,300 watts uh, divided by a thousand. Give you the kilowatt number. Okay, so 3.3, and then um, multiply that by what your kilowatt hour electrical rate is. So you know, it depends where you are in the country. Like the the rates in California are just insane. And it changes like depending on what time of day. Maybe, maybe don't do this in California. Actually, leave California yeah, no. no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's a normal place. Let's just use 0.15 or whatever. So 15 cents a kilowatt an hour. So times 0.15 times 24. So that's co- uh, it costs three dollars and sixty cents a day in electricity. You know, but uh, with that miner specifically, you're going to pocket fifty plus. You know, depending on your you know luck kind of thing so so well worth it in that case yeah yeah it's but you know but that's a twenty thousand dollar miner so for each individual person you just have to if you if you buy a miner that mines a crypto that you believe in it takes a lot of this pressure off but you really have to be comfortable with the roi and comfortable you know with the investment if you you know if you're spending ten thousand dollars like is that going to keep you from doing something else that you know could make you more money in the short term i don't know Sure. Like, please do not put one of these on a credit card. I, I think we can probably yeah, both agree yeah. on that. Unless you're going to pay it off I, right I, away and get the points or, or something like that. But yeah. I put my first one on the credit card, but I had Bitcoin ready to go to cash out to pay for it. Right. Yeah. As long as you can pay for it after you yeah. use the credit card, then then that, that's fine. I'm a credit card fanatic, but yeah. I got my 5% cash back. <laughs> I'm a credit. I've been using credit cards for almost everything I do for five years and I've never paid a penny in interest. So if you, if you, if you play the game the right way, it's smart, but not everybody should do that necessarily um so what what would you say would be like um i think most people at least most people that listen to this and and start to think you know maybe i should start mining some crypto are probably going to fall either to the point of like let's just use my own computer or maybe buy a a miner because i don't really want to know what to do i just want to plug it in and let it go so do you have any thoughts on like what like an entry level because like someone just dipping their toe in might not want to get like spend twenty thousand dollars on a miner so are there any like entry level coins or miners that you could recommend that people could like you know maybe they just want to dip their toe in the water and like see what it's like without necessarily you know banking a whole fortune on this thing yeah so i actually thought about that today like what i was going to suggest as far as the miner goes and um you know sticking with the pirate chain thing and and i'm not sticking with the pirate chain thing just because i've believe in it like it, the cool thing about pirate chain miners is their equihash they can mine like i think it's eight different crypto so there's zcash there's hush uh pirate chain obviously so if you even if you don't or even if something happens to pirate chain it just disappears overnight you can still mine zcash you can still just you can still mine hush or any of the any of those other things so it keeps your options open is that as simple as just going in and changing a setting and now it's yep. mining something else yeah you just change what pool you connect to and then what your wallet address is because it would be a different wallet so you could also just adjust that based on what's the most profitable at, at the exactly moment. yep yep some people do that um zcash and, and pirate chain and hush have been alternating like every couple of days i mean mine stay on pirate chain no matter what but somebody can do that too that's no problem whatever um Another thing that's cool is that those kind of those miners kind of fly under the radar. They they can be they can be had on eBay as cheap as a hundred dollars, which are the ones that I gave away at the super spreader. Those little ones, 
that I brought for the demonstration. That's the the Z9 Mini. See, this is why you guys got to go to in-person events. Not only because yeah. you end up on Lions Liberty, you might get a free crypto miner. I mean, the, the benefits yeah. are just just uh, they can't be overstated. Yeah, I got I got caught up in the hype of the moment, and uh, being a couple beers in, I ended up giving away two more, even though I only planned <laughs> See, to give away one. <laughs> go to an event with Scott and buy him beers. That might be the easiest way to actually get a miner. The then you get yeah. to go on a vacation, on a trip, and you know, hang out with Scott and have some beers, and maybe get a miner at the end of the day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Work. But no, so like the Z, the Z9 Mini, it can be had really cheap. It's actually, I think it's probably upside down right now. It costs more to run than you would get profitable or, you know, to get profit wise out of it. But it's mining pirate chains. So if you believe in pirate chain, like I don't think it's going to be $1.95. Like it's going to be significantly higher than that. So if you believe in it, just roll with it or just, you know, put that same amount of money, just buy it, you know, from someone uh, or an exchange or whatever. But uh, there's other options. There's a, there's a InnoSilicon A9. It's a really good one. There's one on eBay right now. It's four hundred eighty dollars. It makes it only makes like three dollars a day, but I mean that's that's not a bad ROI there. On top of it, you know, pirate chain is going to go up in price, I think too. So that's a good one. Um, it, it's very low energy usage. It can get plugged into one twenty. That's no problem. Um, and then the, the next the next higher one. In, is that I like is the Z15, which is the fastest one you can get for Pirate Chain. That's the one I have four of now. Uh, but they go anywhere from eight to twelve thousand dollars, depending on uh, you know who you're buying from and what condition it's in and stuff like that. So I mean, they, these are all available on eBay. So if somebody wants to, to dabble, the A9 is a great it's a great option. That's actually the one I gave Johnny that he that he has you know in his house and uses as a small space heater. Now when he like it's chilly, you know, those couple nights in Mexico a year. Don't really need a space heater too much where Johnny is, but whatever he's got to <laughs> no. do to justify, <laughs> just justify using the energy is cool yeah. to me. Um, so at least just talking to you, like it seems like for your at least your own personal uh, thoughts about cryptocurrency is like privacy seems to be your your real thing, your real big one, whether it's you know Monero or your own mining of pirate chain. And it's a little bit of a I don't know I don't know if you want to say debate, maybe it's just a competition thing between various different cryptocurrencies, but you know came up in my discussion with Tobias a few weeks ago um you know he, he kind of downplayed the the privacy for at least for his own you know his, his, yep. his own way of looking at crypto because you know I, like i can just say like i received monero once it took me like a week to actually get the whole thing in my wallet and like so like and from what i understand that's like it's a little bit of a feature not necessarily a bug it's kind of like it's part of why it's more private is is just that how it's designed so i mean some of the privacy coins and you know at least from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong at all, it can be more difficult to use in like day-to-day transactions. So a lot of things come down to like, do you value privacy or do you value more getting your transaction done quickly in, in retail use? And that that's going to be, you know, on an individual basis. But what are, what are the reasons that you see like pr- privacy as such an important aspect of all this? Yeah. I mean, so, the, so the, the reason that Monero and pirate chain are more difficult to use is because there's no there's no, nothing's public. So you can't just search the blockchain for a wallet address. You have to individually look at each transaction and then match it to that, uh, the hash from that address itself. That's so that block it ha- can take forever to build. It has to go forever. Yeah. Yep. It goes through each block, sec- checks to see if there's anything involved with your wallet in there. If there's not, it moves on. Um, generally, the wallet keeps track of the last block that was scanned, but even that sometimes can get corrupt. Then you got to start all the way over from the beginning. Yeah, that's know, what so, I had to do. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's definitely annoying, and I 100% agree with the, Tobias about it. I mean, it, the user experience definitely needs work, um, but I just have faith that there's going to be some sort of innovation in that area. But um, I mean, like like I was saying in, in our 
you know, messages back and forth. It's like, maybe we don't need it to be that hardcore. Um, but all I know is, in my opinion, a serious concern is like what you guys were talking about, where they can just flag your, your Coinbase account, or they can just flag this Bitcoin wallet, like all the truckers put all of their, their Bitcoin payments into one wallet. That wallet gets flagged, and then anything that comes out of that wallet is, is black. It's, it's, you know, it's untouchable. You know, as far as those exchanges go. So, I mean, that's a serious concern when somebody can just pick this wallet, follow everything that comes out of this wallet, and then the, the, the money's dead, you know, outside of the black market or outside of uh, peer-to-peer transactions that the other person's not, you know, doesn't know about uh, the, the blacklisting. And, and that, that's a problem. You can't have money being able to just be taken out of supply because somebody doesn't agree with the political motivation of, uh, you know, a trucker convoy. Um, it's it's crazy. So there has to be some sort of uh, middle ground there. And um, the things they've tried with Bitcoin, like they, they work kind of, but the government has unlimited funds to pay these companies to develop these software tools to analyze the those things. And, and as far as I know, they've all been defeated, at least in some capacity, as far as the Bitcoin stuff goes. So something something more needs to happen but i, I always tell this you know, people always ask like you know right, well, the, if it's so good then why is pirate chain so low why does monero price keep going down it's because people don't value privacy yet because they don't have to mm. they, don't, they just simply don't have to yet the government hasn't caught up with oh, crypto yeah. so space it's, it's the the values out there are reflecting more maybe ease of use and that sort of sure. thing over privacy now this of course can all change if people start to value yeah. things a little bit differently yep. i guess yeah and, and the the dumb thing the truckers did I mean, or whoever, you know, set up their fundraiser was use one address and post it to the world to see. And they couldn't have made it any easier, especially when they're on an exchange on top of all that. I mean, they couldn't have made it any easier for that money to be to be taken away. But can, can you maybe dig into more why? Okay, so for example, I mean, cryptocurrency in general it's already private in a sense, you know, in a sense that unless you're, if you're, let's just assume you're not on an exchange or something and you just have like an address that you you send to someone to send you currency. So why is, why is that level of privacy not enough? If it's our, if you're already not, not KYC and no one should really know who you are in theory for like, for that transaction, why do you need, why do you think we need like higher levels of privacy beyond that? In that area. So, so say for example, like for mining, right? So if you mine Bitcoin, that Bitcoin comes to your wallet from the, the mining pool. It's newly minted Bitcoin. It has no history. It's never been on the black market. It's never been anywhere else other than where it was minted from and where it you know, came to your wallet. So that you're still anonymous there. I mean, you could track it maybe to IP address connecting to the pool and then maybe they could sort of surmise who it is kind of thing. But like, you know, so that's okay. But then as soon as you spend it, that Bitcoin then has a history already. So you buy something on the dark web, that's a dark web crypto already because it most likely went to a wallet that's already been flagged unless, you know, unless that person's changing their wallet address for every transaction. So it's one of those things where like the privacy and the security depends on other people being secure as well and not doing something stupid with the crypto or not doing something stupid with their address advertising it like, hey, this is the MAGA convoy, as they called it. This is our address and all these Bitcoin, you know, are used by, you know, white supremacists or whatever they're they're calling them these days. And, you know, so it just depends on too much other uh I guess pitfalls in the system. Whereas Pirate Chain and Monero, they're privacy by default. You can't turn off privacy. No one can. You know, it makes them harder to use, of course, but 
maybe like I said, there needs to be maybe some happy medium in there um, between the two. But it's one of those things where, like, as long as there's that little hole, it's going to be analyzed. And um, you know, if, the, <laughs> if things collapse and the government loses their ability to uh, throw unlimited resources at something, like, hey, yeah, we're, we're good. We just need a, a mixer wallet, and you know, that's all the security we need. But uh, as long as they have, you know, the the total uh, printing press and all the security apparatus behind them, it's going to be tough to uh, stay anonymous and stay private. One thing I want to discuss before we uh, wrap up here is something that, uh, you know, I, I said it a few weeks ago with uh, Pete and Cyprian, and I talked about it with Tobias. I'm probably never going to shut up about it until it's not an issue. If it's not an issue, fantastic. Is the is the CBDCs and, and the central bank digital currencies. These are coming. The white papers exist. If it's not a conspiracy, everyone admits that this is what we're working on. This is the next step. Uh, so it's it's just a matter of when, not if, that these... Now, maybe it'll take a long time. I don't know. Who knows, though? After the last two years, it's hard to say... Yeah. You now can, for, for you you and many other people, you know, never imagine two years ago, take this shot or you lose your job. So we might not be able to even wrap our heads around how fast some of this stuff can move, depending on what sort of events unfold around us. Um, so why, I want you to kind of touch on why whatever, you know, whether you're mining cryptocurrency or just using it in transactions like you discussed earlier, you know, yeah, if you don't want to be on a KYC platform, great, because the whole point is to use this. That is really yeah. the ultimate point. It is to use it with other people and create this parallel economy. So maybe you could just speak on that as we wrap up. Why beyond even like the profitability of mining or what have you, why it's so important for everyone to begin learning more about, about cryptocurrencies that they can use that they can control so that they do have an alternative when we all get pushed into the CBDC. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, you know this, of course, and the, the CBD, CBDC is like, it's endgame for civilization as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they're, they're going to tell you what you can spend the food on, or sorry, spend the money on, like what type of food, where you can, what restaurants you can use it at, or, you know, if, if your employer is mad at you or, um, you quit or something like that they can just turn off your your money they can turn off your banking ability and your ability to access that money and it, it and it's all crazy and then you have your bank accounts all with a central bank i mean that's just madness so um like like to be a said i mean we need to have we need to have cash we always need to have cash we always need to have peer-to-peer -peer transaction um type cash and without that i mean it, you just don't you just you just don't have any control over anything anymore and um as far as i'm concerned like his his example of giving people some crypto showing them how to use it that's amazing i've been mm -hmm. i've been doing that I and mean, dogecoin is actually one of my favorite cryptos to do that with because you know you just throw them a couple of doge and everyone who knows yeah. what doge is and it's, the wallet's super easy to use you know so that's a good way to do it and, and it's it's amazing and then once you plant that seed there I've had so many people like, oh, I went out and got got some crypto. I went to this Bitcoin ATM. I got some. Now I have a, you know, I've got a hundred dollars worth, but at least I got something. And now I know how to use it, and, and that's amazing. And you have teaching these people how to use it is the key. How we can make it cash, and um, you know, so I 100% believe in that. And, and anybody out there that's listening that has crypto and you know can spare you know 50 cents worth here and there, start doing that. Even your grandmother, any anybody that has a smartphone, show them how to do it. Show them how to download a wallet, set it up. You know, you don't even really have to worry about 
doing the backup thing and all that, at least at first, just show them how, show them how it works. Don't waste too much time in that. It might scare them away. You know, the whole backup process is a little overwhelming at first, but I mean, it, that that's just exactly how we get, get things going. And I personally, you know, I love Monero. I love PyroChain. I hold all the PyroChain I mine, but like Monero is my, Monero is my cash. I use it every day, you know? So it, you don't worry about the price of something when you need it to, you know, buy things and pay bills and stuff like that. So that's um, that's that's where we got to go. We got to we got to get everybody trying to use this system, and the wallets get easier every day, and things get better every day. And very, like like to be said, very white pilled and and uh, how things are moving, but still scared about uh, all the normies and the normie reaction to the COVID COVID stuff and. They just tell them to flip the switch, the Ukraine narrative, and boom, there they go, right to the Ukraine narrative. It's that's the scary part still. So, but yeah, for for anybody that thinks people won't just accept them, just giving us making us use this digital currency, I'm like, have you seen anything in the last yeah. in the last two years? And for most people, it, for a lot of people, it won't seem like a big difference because most people aren't using cash anymore anyway. So, to most people you know, that aren't thinking too deeply about this, whether I'm going on a bank account and seeing my numbers online or whether it now says it's a CBDC or something like to them, it's not no difference at all. They're just going about their day. So this will not be difficult. I don't think it's gonna be difficult at all to, yeah. to put into place. It'll probably start with, you know, maybe that maybe just your tax refund or maybe some government benefit only comes that way. Uh, but eventually it, it will be everywhere. So it's really just a matter of time. And yeah, maybe Scott and I are early talking about this. Maybe we're early, but as my friend Buck Johnson said, who is a firefighter, he said <laughs> better to be, I, mean, I don't think he invented this phrase anyway, but he said to me recently, he said better to be three seconds early than three seconds late. And that's, that's definitely true when it comes to a fire, but it's definitely true when it comes to this stuff too. Cause if you're too yeah. late, I mean, there's going to be a time there's, there's probably going to be a time where this very conversation is not really allowed, you know, or, or we're teaching someone how to program or how to use cryptocurrency is really not allowed. That's coming. So better to be early than late. That, that's that's uh, you know that's the phrase I'll, I'll continue to pound in with this stuff. So, uh, Scott, as we wrap up, if you have any last words, feel free to uh, give them away, and feel free if you like give any contact information. If not, if you don't want to give any out personally, I can just say right now to people like reach out to me, and I can connect you with Scott if you want more information. You know, they they can reach out to you. I mean, if it's somebody that you know and trust, then they can message me directly on Signal. That's not a problem. You know, like like they're gonna they're gonna offer here, here's your five hundred dollars stimulus check. Just sign up for the the central bank digital currency you know that we got here download this app or you know wait in line at this government building and people will be waiting in line like it's a new iphone it's gonna it's 100 gonna happen the normies just there's only so many that you can reach so we just have to be prepared for it. and we've got to get every anybody that's open-minded enough that wants to learn should absolutely be teaching them everything that we know and that's that was my motivation for coming to Siley to super spreader I, I mean i knew they were all like-minded people so i figured it would be an easy audience for my you know sort of first public speaking event and stuff but i just felt motivated to come down there and um just give a presentation try and uh, introduce some new people to stuff and and at one point um one of the other guys there he and I were just sitting there showing people how to download and use uh, Exodus Wallet and Cake Wallet and Coinami and stuff like that are our favorite wallets. And, and it was just like this crypto wallet uh, training experience there for a little bit. It was, it was awesome. It was beautiful to see. Um, but yeah, as far as contact goes, I mean, I have a Twitter. It's uh, Crypt Zero Keeper is my uh, Twitter handle. You can message me on there. Usually I just use it to flame people and stuff, but sometimes I have 
general good conversations with like you and Buck and Johnny and stuff like that. So yeah, well, awesome, Scott. I'm glad we could uh, connect yet again. I hope to see you in person at something. Maybe the next, maybe next December. Maybe we'll do another Sayulita. I don't know if that's official yet, but I, I'd like it to be because uh, I had a blast. And it it really again, it, it I can't emphasize enough getting to events where there are like minded people there because it really is. Like none of us are probably going to live in these bubbles. So it really is like something special when you get in a room with like 40 or 50 people that generally like think along the same lines of you and you can just have these nerdy conversations and it's not even, it's not even the nerdiest conversation in the room. <laughs> so, uh, yes. and, and you know, you never know, you might go and you, you showed up at this event cause you wanted to t- teach more people about crypto mining and you, you came there to, to maybe you'd show 30, 40, 50 people about this stuff, but here we are now you're telling thousands of people. So, you know, you never know where, where this stuff can go. Cause I think the connections yep. that I make in person, they're just, they're just at, at a whole nother level. When you spend a few days hanging out with someone, that's, that's a whole nother kind of connection than just sending an email or getting, knowing them on Twitter. It's a, it's a whole different universe. So I can't, can't recommend it highly enough. And I'm glad I was able to connect with you there, Scott. So thanks so much for coming on. It's been a blast. Keep up the great work. I know you shall keep on roaring. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Scott. And yeah, as soon as I met Scott, maybe not as soon, all right, maybe not the first instant, but uh, shortly after meeting Scott, when hearing his story uh, about how he uh, left his job and why he left his job and what he was doing with that, and especially when I heard his presentation and heard how knowledgeable he was on the subject, I thought to myself, I'm going to have him on the show. Again, like I said, one of the best ways to get yourself a spot on the show is to meet me in person and, uh, you know, get me to like you, I guess. Buy me a drink. It always helps. Uh, Scott has not only bought me a drink, he's 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 helped me in, in a number of ways um, here. So you know, Scott's a great dude. Definitely uh, am happy to see that he is doing something that is not crushing his soul. And that's what I encourage all of you to do. That's what I've been doing here with this podcast in many ways. I'm doing topics. I'm getting into areas that I'm the most excited about, that I'm the most interested in. I'm, I'm leaning into myself, I guess, a lot more with this current iteration of Lions Liberty. And you're certainly going to be see that, seeing that in some interviews that I have coming out here in the next few weeks. Don't want to give them away, but let's just say I got some doozies coming, especially if you enjoyed um, if you've enjoyed the show this so, so far this year. Well, then I think you're going to continue enjoying it. Let, let's just put it that way. Uh, and if so, I would love if you would give me a five star rating and a great review over on Apple Podcasts, specifically for the Lions of Liberty with Mark Claire podcast feed. That's the one I need to get a little more action on. So any help there would be greatly appreciated. And of course, best way to support us, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty gets you to support all of the shows on this network or locals lions of liberty.locals.com we are really putting a lot of time and effort into pleasing our patrons and our our supporters uh by putting out a lot of bonus content getting them a lot of access of course at higher levels you can do even more you can have monthly meetings with us at uh, the 25 dollars a month level uh at the 50 dollars a month level you get to produce an episode of this program once a month we just did a review of the film grizzly man for my man maurice few weeks ago so so much great fun behind that paywall and you get to support what i presume i have to presume it's your favorite darn podcast or at least your favorite darn network of podcasts here on lions of liberty really appreciate the support until next week my friends live long and live free and live free and live free and live free